This is Daizen Shui XD Podcast, episode 151, for the week of November 16th, 2008. Welcome to Daizen Shui X, the podcast, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Daizen Shui X. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Adult entertaining. <laughs> Adult entertainment here on Daizen Shui X. X rated episode, or not. <laughs> When we get, oh, we already did, I was going to say, oh, when we get to episode 69, <laughs> I'm like nine years old. Isn't uh, that funny? Oh, wait, we're at 151 yeah, episodes. Yeah, you're, yeah, math. <laughs> I do the math very well. What's up, Mary? Hey. Hey. You know what? What's up? Recording this time of year is my favorite time. Well, that in winter, because we can like, you know, talk I know why. Wait, wait, wait. I know exactly why. Okay. It's because there's lots of video games coming out. Uh, yeah, let's say that. And and because we can keep at least some windows open. Oh, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Is temperature-wise, I'm not, we're not sweating here in I'm the not summertime. sitting in my underwear. Yeah. Which is fine for me, but not fine for the imaginations of our audience members. That's correct. So uh, you're doing good. We get some windows open, get a little ambient outside noise occasionally. Yes, the leaves are falling. Maybe some cars driving by every so often. Maybe some drive-by shootings. Occasionally. It happens, you know. some screams this afternoon. That's right. We quite, did. Quite strange. Strange times we live in here. Uh, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm fantastic. We should say who we are. I said who you are. Why oh, don't you introduce you're me? You're Mike. And at home I call you Vegito EX. <laughs> I think it's the other way around. Yes, that too. I like how you say something and then you look away like, oh god, I'm so sick of this. No, I just said like... <laughs> Let's get out the outline. <laughs> oh, all right. The outline's not over there. The windows are over there. Oh, I thought you meant I was looking at the computer. No, you had this really funny look of disgust, like, right around Vegeta X. And then you, like, turn away and look angry. <laughs> it's like, oh, damn, I can't believe I married Vegeta X. Oh, no turning back now. Oh. No, that's not what I am thinking. You made me sad. I'm not sad, but I'm a sick Mike. Oh, yeah, but you're hiding it very well for this I'm show. I'm getting over it. You know, I had some... Pretty terrible nights, but, you know, I'm up and about yes. now. I got a glass of nice cold green tea, and I'm not sneezing every three seconds. You should make some hot green tea. I've had so much hot green tea this week that I'm sick of it for a Aww, while. Because yeah. that would be such a lovely remedy on a nice, brisk fall afternoon. you, you got to talk like that for the rest of the episode. No. All right. We got to talk the way uh, we talked earlier. Like what? I should talk the entire episode like this. It's kind of like a Jeff funny voice when he does emails and stuff. Yes. I'll be Jeff this episode. You have to grow more facial hair. <laughs> and be taller. Okay. And live around the corner. Yeah, let's go break into his house. <laughs> all right. Um, hi, we're here to do an episode all about Dragon Ball and various Dragon Ball things. Our buddy Julian, who works on Taizen Shui X, isn't here, uh, mostly because he didn't respond to any of my emails over the last few days. He's MIA, man. Uh, I did say to him, look, I haven't slept... I'm going to record uh, probably Saturday morning. I'm not guaranteeing when I'm going to be awake because hopefully I'll actually sleep. And I never heard back, so he probably just said, screw it. Let them do the show whenever. But Mary, you and I are here. Is that a cell phone? You need no, to keep a cell phone. No, it is my super secret spy <laughs> tool. You need to keep cell phones away from microphones because then you hear that. I am turning it off right now. Okay. I actually only grabbed it because I didn't know it was sitting right there. And I was like, what the hell is that? Oh, it's my phone. What is that thing? Mary. Yo. Let's talk about some stuff, what we're going to do this episode, things we got going on. I don't actually have any general stuffage stuff. I don't either. No? No. All right, forget about that. Actually, I have a stuff that might be old, and I don't think we ever mentioned it on the show. Well, why don't you go ahead and mention it while All I have right, something to drink? All right, so we were at, um, I guess it was a supermarket of some sort, and Mike picked up much to my... I guess I didn't put up much of a fight, but it was a Dragon Ball Z activity book with stickers and quizzes yeah, and all sorts of fun things for Dragon children, Ball Z Extreme with glow-in-the-dark stickers. Join the battle, all in all caps, with the DBZ, puzzles, games, and trivia. Oh, we did the trivia. Mary, I'm going to turn the trivia oh. on you. Oh, oh man. I hope I remember. And let's do some Give of Give me a hard one. Well, I need to figure out where it is here. Oh, okay. Quiz challenge. Are you a Dragon Ball Z expert? N- 
No, actually, sometimes I forget the show, but I'll fake it. Yeah. All right, I got to figure out where the answers are. Okay. Uh, wait, no, that's not. Hopefully, it. you know the answers without looking. Well, I know, but I want to see what their answers are. Okay, fine. Might be double five answers. Yeah. Hold on. Okay. Quiz challenge number one: What happens to something hit by Dabra's spit? Becomes a cookie. Although I remember in this book when I asked you that and you answered it, they had like a weird answer. Uh, no, you're wrong. It turns to stone. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. I was thinking of Boo. <laughs> I was thinking that you know he turns. Get off this show. <laughs> he turns Dabra into a cookie. I hear Dabra. All right. And, yes, okay. exactly. I remember. You I'll get give my you a logic. pass on this because the next question is: What did Majin Boo turn Dabra into? And I think that I was getting ahead of myself. Right. He turned him into a cookie. Right. And the answer in the back is cake. So that is wrong. Okay. During the other world tournament, what did Aqua turn the battle ring into? Uh, I don't know who that is, so I'm going to say water. The answer is a whirlpool of water. Okay. What do Trunks and... This is number four, by the way. Okay. Your, oh, man, it just keep getting harder and harder. What do Trunks and Goten turn into when they use fusion? Gotenks! That's correct. I had to look to make sure. You never know what they might be calling them. You got to double check these answers. Number four. Five. Who turns into Super Saiyan in order to fight crime? I would say Super Saiyan. Is it me? No, it's Gohan. And what is wrong with this question and answer? I don't see anything wrong with it. Well, there is no Super Saiyan. There's the Great Saiyan, and then there's the Golden-Haired Warrior. Oh, I didn't even realize that they named it wrong. Yes. They're calling it Super Saiyan? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm, like, oblivious just because in my head I know what their intent is. Right. I was not even cognizant of the fact that it, they're writing Super Saiyan. All right, fine. Saiyan. Here. Yeah, whatever. Another, another dub question for you. What do Evil Boo and Majin Boo turn into when they merge? Yeah, Kid Boo, Super Boo, your mama Boo. I, I don't know. Uh, Mary, I believe it's Super Bohan 3.4. <laughs> You know what? I don't remember much about they say the Super last Boo. arc. Okay. What they call Majin Buu is just straight up fat Boo when he first appears. And then Evil Boo is the gray thing that comes out of him. And so when Evil Boo kind of like brings him super... Yeah. So there you have I uh, want the, the stickers. You want the stickers? I'm going to like totally put them all over my desk There's at some work. all right stickers. It's not remastered colors though. It's the actual colors. So maybe you wouldn't like them. I want to look at them. Give okay. me, give me, give me. Here, I'll pass it over to you. You can look at the stickers while I tell people what's going on in the show while we stop making it's fun my of stupid activity books for two-year-olds that I've purchased as. How old am I? We keep having this question. I'm you, 26 you're right 26. now. You're going to be 28. Yes. Anyways. This is dated 2002. Is it really? Yes. Well, maybe that's why I only paid like a buck for it or two. I don't like any of the... Oh, wait. No, I like the Montan Boo sticker. We're going to talk... I put him on my desk. Mary, Mary, focus. We are going to talk about new video games, which I hinted to earlier. We're going to talk about Infinite World. Mary threw the coloring book <laughs> to the side. In disgust. <laughs> And we're going to talk about Origins as well. Infinite World for the PS2 and Origins uh, on the Nintendo DS. We'll do some initial thoughts. I'm the only one who's playing them so far, but you can pipe in, chime in, whatever you want to do. We've got news. We've got releases. We've got emails. And I am going to seal a segment this episode. Oh, man. It's on Shit, now. it's on. So uh, without any further ado with an activity book, let's get into the news. Mary, let's talk about France and other French-speaking territories. From France! TF1 Enterprises has been selected as the new merchandising broker for the various Dragon Ball properties. You can find more info on licensing.biz. Let me go ahead and read this for you. TF1 licenses will handle France, French-speaking Belgium, Luxembourg, Switzerland, and Monaco, and will have merchandising rights for the brand, with the exception of toy, video games, publishing, and lamnic car. I don't know what that is. Categories. Lamin cards? Quote, TF1 licenses ranks among one of the international market's most prolific licensing organizations and brings to its representation of Dragon Ball an outstanding track record of licensing success and a deep commitment to our brands. End quote. Said Kanji Kazaha. Haya, director of the International Department at Toei. So I don't know. Okay, good on them. There'll, there'll be some cool stuff coming out in the French-speaking places in the near future. If you are in one of these places, write in, let us know what you've had previously. Um, has there been any? I know there's been some French-language merchandise, so let's see what they're going to do. Let us know what stuff comes out over there. Mary. Yeah. You like video games. I do, in theory. I'm actually <laughs> playing some right now, so I guess I do like right. video games. Why don't you tell me? I'm just going to... You're going to okay. tell me all the news. You're going to tell me everything. 
from okay, this coming I will. on. Because so you're one, like totally hip to the news. I, I'm not. This is my first time reading them. Huh. Actually, I've heard this story before. So anyway, Burst Limit is up for the Spike TV Video Game Awards. It's up in the best fighting game category despite... Um, having some tough competition. It's up against Soul Calibur 4, Super Smash Brothers Brawl, and the game that hasn't really come out yet, Marvel... Uh, Marvel. <laughs> I'm so used to saying that. Um, Mortal Kombat versus DC. That is correct. So, um, yeah, it doesn't stand a chance, but at least they acknowledge this, its existence. That's it's interesting, cool. and maybe we'll talk about Burst Limit a little later on when we talk about Infinite World. Mary, new figures coming out. This is actually an important month because those Dragon Ball One Piece crossover figures start coming out this month. But we have some new things. Some of them actually are already out. Some came out in September and some even earlier in August. These DX Dragon Ball Creatures figures. These are awesome. You're freaking scared. Scary! I'm gonna have nightmares about this Frieza one, I swear. Third form Frieza and also first form Cell. These are awesomely oh, detailed. I'm they're, shivering. They're I can't disgusting. look at it. They're disgusting. Oh. They're absolutely amazing. There is also uh, another figure in uh, like the same line from Banpresto, some of the things they've been putting out recently. A Piccolo Daimo spitting up an egg. So sexy. So amazingly awesome. We definitely have different ideas of sexy. <laughs> And there's also something called the High Spec Coloring Figure Series. And there's a really nice one here, Vegito. Just, you know, detailed figures. Kind of nice. So we'll put up some links to all these. People have been talking about them on the forum. So thank you guys for pointing that stuff out. And the last bit of news we got for you is just the cover art for the R2 single releases of DBZ Movies 9 and 10. Mary, what you think about these? I love the uh, the first one there on the really? screen. Really? A criticism that I've seen and I agree with is that Gohan's hair is too short. Um. Fair enough. But overall, I like it. I think the reason why I like it is because it's a very different color scheme from what we've previously seen. I'm like so sick of the yellows and the oranges and the blues. But here we got some nice greens and... Different characters to look at for once. Another thing people have pointed out is this one doesn't have so much white space as some of the earlier ones as well. I think that's another reason why I like it. really fleshes it out. And the movie 10 one's pretty interesting. It's one of the, you know, standard classic shots, the triple Kamehameha and Broly being blasted in the background. Not so wild about that one. I'm sick of that artwork of the Sone family. Gotcha. All right, then. Broly background looks kind of budget. Yeah, it does. It looks a little blurred and whatever. That's the news. Wow. Let's talk about video games. We got two games to talk about this week because they actually came out last week. They both came out at the exact same time. That's Infinite World and Dragon Ball Origins. We're going to start it off with Infinite World. As a brief introduction to this game, I guess we should tell you what it is before we talk about it itself. Infinite World is a new game that just came out on the PlayStation 2. Uh, it actually hasn't even come out in Japan yet. It comes out in Japan on December 4th. For the first time in a long while, we're actually getting it here in the U.S. first. It's basically a combination of Budokai 3, Shin Budokai, and Burst Limit. It was developed by Dims, who worked on all of those series. And here in America, it's kind of like a budget title. We got it for $30, although it's coming out as essentially full price over there in Japan for about $60. So like I said, it's kind of a mashup of those three games, those three quasi-shoot-off series of all the same thing. It even says it on the box. It does. It well, says the best of the Budokai series. That's right. We'll tell you all about how those elements play in a little later on. But Mary, you've got the packaging right in front of you, and you dropped it on the floor. You're throwing it to the side with the Extreme Activity book. I see how you feel about this. Disgusting. One thing that I immediately noticed and I found absolutely intriguing as all hell is that it says music by Hironobu Kageyama right on the back of the box. OMG selling point. That's the thing. They're actually putting it as a selling point on the back of the box now. So does that say like all along people, oh, I guess people have wanted the opening theme. Or maybe it has to do with the Jam Project tour. That's kind of a stretch. So I I, I doubt that. Yeah. I think it's just finally an acknowledgement, you know, after we... Got it inc- I was going to say, after we got it included in Burst Limit, that they finally said, all right, we're going to put this in here. I, I can't see it being a licensing problem because they've been using instrumentals of the themes, you know, Budokai 2 and 3, but um, Sparking was its own thing. But uh, that was just an interesting note there. Let's talk about the opening theme because it's uh, a new song and it's a new intro. It's CG. The CG in this is uh, very much different from the CG that Spike did, which Thank is God. very rigid, and I know you had lots of 
of strange homoerotic noticing. I don't have those kind of fantasies. <laughs> but you, it was very strange and very awkward. This one isn't awkward. I wouldn't describe it. That I would way. still say it's a little awkward. The it, opening really bothers. The you shit did that out thing again where you like scoff and look to the side oh, after you say it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm visibly scoffing. Is it just scoffing. because they they focus on animating certain parts of the characters and it's it's very rigid in its movement still and um the thing with feel fluid? in the very beginning when Goku like rubs the Dragon Ball up against his oh, face. I know you don't like really that creepy part. and out of character for some reason. He would not gently caress the Dragon Ball up against his cheek. Overall, though, you'd say oh, it's an improvement over the sparking It intros. is, but still something about it's kind of weird. Alright, how about the song? I like the song. The, it's kind of grown on me. The new song is Hikari no Sasumirai A. It's uh, got kind of a ska flavor to it during do, 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 uh, the do, verses do, there. Yeah. I really like it. It's, it's a new flavor that we have for Dragon Ball music that we haven't heard in a while, so that's always a good thing. Uh, we actually have a new ending theme as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, anyone out there, but I think this is the first time since 1997 with Final Bout that we've had Hironobu Kakeyama do a new intro and ending theme. Back then, oh. he actually did two ending themes for Final Bout, but this is the first time that we've got a new intro and ending. Uh, previous games have usually used either the vocal or an instrumental version of whatever the new intro theme is. Or um, in the Sparking series, they would do like um, medleys of a couple other songs, like Romantic Agario or one of the others, um, just in instrumental but we've got new vocal stuff what did you think about the ending to the game here with Kido dancing it was and, very was it the time machine dancing yeah. as well or no it no it was a spaceship. spaceship it was very reminiscent of if they were still making dragon ball z movies yes what i think an ending theme song to a movie would sound like if it were made in the, uh 2008 definitely i don't know what the name of the song is yet but I'll, I'll figure that out very happy absolutely good thing i'm really psyched for the cd single coming out uh next month let's talk about um before we get into gameplay and other stuff let's talk about navigating around the game the menus that kind of stuff coming off of the japanese release of budokai 3 and then the greatest hits over here onwards we've had animated menus but also the menus have been spoken the characters would talk in the background say what you're selecting kind of banter back and forth coming to this it feels almost cheap again not having that dialogue happening during the menus did you notice that mary one thing you did notice was that all the sound effects are all recycled and stuff i didn't notice the voices but i noticed the sound effects and music it so. take you back to like four years yeah, ago. Yeah, it just made me wonder like why is this game even necessary? <laughs> we'll talk about that at okay. the end. I have some theories on that. So let's get into the gameplay because that's what makes games really important. It feels very much at home for a Budokai player uh, and even if you've been playing Burst Limit and uh, the Shin Budokai games on PSP, it's basically the same thing. It takes some elements here and there from the other games. Um, it's got the capsule system. The way you play is very much the same. Like You're going to have the same teleport ports. Uh, you got your same baseline key that was introduced in Budokai 3, which is probably one of the best things they introduced in the entire course of the series. You're going to play almost exactly the same way. There are a couple differences. Uh, for example, transformations. Uh, I think this started in Shin Budokai, but it would be like down in circle. That's how you transform rather than, and I don't even remember what it was in Budokai 3, but pressing a combination, like maybe it was the four face buttons. And you can map it to one of the L or R buttons. That's a little different, a little more convenient. And they've removed Dragon Rush, which is something that a lot of people really hated from Budokai 3. That was the rock, paper, scissors thing. It was this three-step process. And it would really really take you out of the moment because they'd have to go through the whole process. That's not here anymore. Unfortunately, I think there are some things in here that kind of come up and take the place of Dragon Rush, especially when you're playing against the computer. And one of those things is just constant spamming of the ultimate attacks. I had a serious problem fighting against Frieza when I was Super Saiyan Goku. Frieza was constantly spamming that ultimate attack. Whether he hits you or not, you get sick of hearing that sound effect that indicates one is coming. Then you mess up and you have to watch it all again. It's really, really unfortunate that the AI kind of reduces itself to that level. There are other things that are more throws, um, cinematic things. Some of the old ones from Budokai 3, where you blast through the mountain, hit the dinosaur, and then he kicks you back. Some of that stuff is back as well, but luckily those are short enough that, yeah, they take you out, but you're right back in there almost immediately afterwards, so it's not too bad. I was mentioning Frieza and his spamming the ultimate attacks. Mary, you've heard me cursing up a storm playing this game. Difficulty is totally (laughs) ramped up in this game. Yeah, should I tell the people what you were playing at? We'll talk about that. Okay. Yes, I will say very frustrated. Started out on normal. You... uh... 
it's so ramped up. Normal feels like hard in a previous game. You really, absolutely, seriously, no kidding, you have to buy capsules and really keep up with customizing your character along the way, or you have absolutely no chance, even on very easy, as you make your way through the rest of the game. I Right now, I am stuck on Ishinron on very easy. I cannot beat him. I do have to go back. I have some money. I have to buy some more capsules. I, ha- I don't have the most up-to-date uh, defensive and, you know, raising your defense to 120 and onwards and stuff from there. I don't have the most latest stuff. And it's really affecting me because even on very easy, the difficulty is just that high. If you don't keep up, you are not going to beat them. So I think this is very unapproachable for, I I hate to use this phrase, the casual player. But if you're picking up Infinite World, you've probably been playing some of the games along the way. So you're familiar with how the games work and customizing your characters. But just keep that in mind. This game is absolutely brutal and they will punish you for every little mistake that you make, especially as the difficulties go up. One thing I noticed while I was fighting Ishinron, your Super Saiyan 4 Goku, his uh, 10 times Kamehameha, as he would say the Jubei or the Jubai, it's very, very slow to fire. That reminded me so much of Final Bout, where I would want to use Super Saiyan 4 Goku, but he was just so painfully slow. And that's another reason why I think I'm having trouble uh, beating him. It's just so slow. Oh, coming off of playing as Vegito, where his final Kamehameha is just a spin totally fast and totally effective. I loved using it. So I'm having terrible flashbacks to Final Bout playing this game. That's not anything against Infinite World, but just something I noticed. Speaking of the castles, let's talk about that. Customizing your characters. It's the same as it was in Budokai 3. It's a little bit updated, though. For example, you don't need to attach the Kaioken and then the Super Saiyan and then the Super Saiyan 2. There's just a transform one, and that's really nice because then you can do a little bit more with your character and not worry about, oh, well, I can go Super Saiyan 4 and fire Kamehameha, and that's about it. The music. I, I have to address this. I love customizing characters, and I love buying capsules, because the music in the shop, where Bobbity is, is the greatest part of this game. It's ridiculous, but in like a funny and entertaining kind of way. It's like, I, really I want to hate it, but it's like so catchy. And like, <laughs> it is. And it is kind of out of place for, for Dragon Ball, but because it's so different from what I've heard previously, either in other games, Games right. the series itself. It's like, what? It's definitely going to be the standout piece for this game. Seems like kind of like Daft Punk or something. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, I'm going to put it in a clip right here where you can hear it. I get to listen in closely and hear what they're saying, what they're spelling out. Let's go back to the game a little bit, talk about the minigame stuff. Did you see me doing any of the minigame things? No, I didn't. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you'd end up liking these, because one of the things you and I have talked about is you're really sick of the fighting games, whatever. Uh, you want to do something new with Dragon Ball. We were hoping that Infinite World, oh, we saw the bubbles catching game and running down Serpentine Road. That's really cool. That's some new stuff to do. Unfortunately, a lot of them end up being exactly the same thing over and over. For example, the first thing you do, and I know a lot of people have mentioned this, and it's totally true, it's flashbacks to Superman 64. Did you watch the angry video game? Yeah, thing, yeah, where you yeah. Have to go through the the first minigame you have to do is fly through rings in order. Ah! <laughs> so that that's kind of off-putting at first, but, you know, you can do it. The first time I failed because I didn't realize you could use your uh, dragon radar to see where they were. But And there's a couple of those. So, like, you're doing it, okay, that's neat, but then you have to do it again later and it's not so cool. And then you do it again in the sky, not so cool. But the other ones are neat, running down Serpentine Road, but it's basically the same as the checkpoint one, where it controls exactly the same way, just get to the end. Uh, doing bubbles exactly the same. It controls the exact same way, except now you catch bubbles. There's some other ones, though, that are interesting. There's Goku training in the spaceship on his way to Namek, and that's basically just pressing the buttons that appear on screen. And you saw me, I think you did see this one, where I was training the Room of Spirit in Time with Goku and Gohan. Yeah, but... And you have to press the buttons when it reaches like the timed. end. It's like timed. It's like Parappa the Rapper, almost. It's not timed to music, it's just timed. Think of Guitar Hero or DDR, where they scroll and they hit a point, you have to press it at that time. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it, there's not a lot to it. And I know you would totally have a problem with this because you don't remember where triangle is, where square is, where circle is, and you'd never be able to press them at the same time. No, and I wouldn't find that. Actually, I was thinking that as I was watching you uh, do that mini game, I was thinking, wow. I would not be able to play that game now. You get frustrated and curse and probably throw the controller. Well, you can do it on very easy and there wouldn't be a whole lot. I was doing it on hard because I do know where all the buttons are and it was some easy money, but whatever. Ultimately, they're just the same all the time. It's nice to have them, but at the end of the day, it's not really adding anything new to the game. And I just don't really care about them one way or the other. Although I am waiting on some additional ones through the next playthrough. I only have a couple so far. I know there's the one where Frieza is trying to shoot down Piccolo. And I think there's one of Tenshin Han doing the Shin Kikoho against Cell. So hopefully when I play through again, I'll catch some of these other neat ones. What about the cutscenes? I think you've seen a couple of these. What would you think about them? Same old. Same old, same yeah. old. The way I feel about no cutscenes is I've seen the show. I've read the manga. I don't need to see it again in a video game. So... Whatever, I, I don't skip them, but I'm never going to watch them again. I think my deal with the cutscene is you're, I want to either see a totally new scene, something I've never seen before, which Budokai 1 actually had a couple of, or get it absolutely dead-on accurate. And unfortunately, there are a few things in here. I think I mentioned this uh, a while ago with another game where like Bardock was in the wrong place or whatever. In this one, for example, the scene where Kudadin goes boom and Goku goes Super Saiyajin, it's, the backdrop is wrong. It's already like a destroyed Namek, whereas... When Frieza first shows up again, it's still kind of like daylighty green outside. And so that's another thing where he's just like, well, that's not entirely accurate. Is it sloppy? Is it just rushed? I don't really know. It's just kind of there. Talk about some characters. I don't have them all unlocked yet. You know, it's only been a week or so and I'm playing through a couple games. But I do have uh, the majority of the cast so far. Let's talk about who's missing because uh, there are a couple characters that have appeared in previous Budokan games that are not here. The first is actually Oob. And I really liked Oob in Budokai. 3, I found him a really effective long-range character, and you wouldn't think that, but he had that, like, invisible breath scream attack that was really good at keeping characters away from you to set up other things. He's not here, so that's kind of sad to see him gone. Still missing is number 19, who was in Budokai 1, but has not appeared in any other Budokai games. I believe he was in the Sparking games, but not here. Uh, we, again, the standard, like, old-school cast. From Ginyu Tokusentai, we have Ginyu himself and Raccoon. It was really weird in the old games, there were just be those two. It's kind of the same thing here again. Those are the only two representing them. Bata, Jis, and Good is not here. Whatever, they're in Sparking if you really want to use them playing there. Interestingly, Cyberman is here, but Cell Jr. is not. So Cell Jr. is another one that's missing from the established cast that we've seen before. And then we have all of the basic Dragon Ball GT characters that you would expect if they were going to include them. You've got Super Saiyan 4, you've got Ishinron, you've got Super 17, you've got Baby Vegeta... Um, I think you've got Pawn, you've got GT Vegeta, so... I'm actually really shocked that they haven't tried to include some of the lesser Dragon Ball GT villains, like Legic and some of those other guys. It's interesting that no one's ever really tried to include them. There was the one Dragon Ball GT-specific game that was Transformation on um, GBA that had those characters, but are they just not interesting to not... Probably. Like, not even worth including. So that's kind of what I've seen and felt about Infinite World so far. Mary, you were saying, who is this game for now? I mean, it's a PS2 uh, game. It's Probably people who have never played any of the previous PS2 Dragon Ball Fighter games. I'm going to say it's for people who have not purchased the 360 or PS3 yet. But... If this, if they're not up to the next gen systems and they're still latching onto their PS2, chances are they probably have all the Budokai games and Sparking games. It's true. You know, the last few years we've had the three Sparking games, so this could be a game for someone who missed the Budokai series the first time around, saw Burst Limit, was like, oh, that's kind of it's interesting. It's different from Sparking. And while this doesn't have the same graphics as Burst Limit, it does take some of those new gameplay elements from there and brings it in, matches it in with the Budokai series. So, I mean, it's a cheap. $30 PS2 game. If you love Budokai 3, you're going to feel right at home. It's going to make sense. You're going to like enjoy playing through it again. And it's 30 bucks. I mean, that's probably the best selling point for the game. I would save your money. Just replay your old games. All right, then. Not that I touched it, so I have no authority to comment on this game at all. <laughs>
let's move on and talk about Dragon Ball Origins. This one I hope to touch. This was actually intimately my DS. Ooh, intimately, huh? Oh, yeah, because no. it's a brand new game. Okay. It's not like the same fighting game over and over again. This was actually released in Japan as Dragon Ball DS back on September 18th. It's an action adventure game similar style to the more recent Zelda games. In fact, I would probably most directly compare it to Phantom Hourglass. And a lot of that has to do with the way you control the game and puzzles, that kind of stuff. You control Goku by pointing the stylus on the screen and he'll run to that position. Uh, the inherent problem with this is that you point to a position on the screen and part of your hand may be covering things that are on the screen that you want to see. So you really have to like turn your hand around and make sure you're not covering things. Luckily, you can use the D-pad to control where Goku runs. You can't do anything else with other... Like, you can't attack using the D-pad. You just have to tap. But at the very least, that's a good way to keep your hand off the screen, make sure you get a good view of the field. So like I said, you use the stylus, you tap to attack, you can dodge, you can activate and use Nyoibo, and you can uh, charge it and swing it around. You also use the stylus to bring up the menu rather than taking your hand off and pressing start. There's this little slidey scroll thing up in the upper left. If you want to kind of pause the action and bring up the menu with your items, you just scroll that out and then you scroll it back in and you're all good to go. You're not alone as Goku though. Bulma comes along with you for, as far as I can tell, the entire duration of the game. And she has her own health bar. She is susceptible to attacks from enemies. She has a gun though, which is nice because you can actually tap her and she'll fire at some of the enemies. But because she has her own health bar, you do have to keep an eye on her. You do have to pay attention to where she is and make sure she doesn't get mauled She's by a bear with a sword. Girlfriend. Uh, bear with sword is where I ultimately first failed in the game. I was on, uh, I think it was 2-1, and I was trying to pick up a rock to bring over and throw at bear with sword. And unfortunately, I got like held up, stuck on a corner or something, and she just got totally mauled, totally destroyed. And when Bulma loses all of her health, well, that's game over. You have to restart. And I was really upset because you don't just restart from the last, like, exit or door you came out. You have to play through the entire level again. And I feel like that's, for a portable game, really, you're going to make me play through the entire level of game. That's kind of console-specific kind of thing. If you're on the go, you don't have a lot of time. Why would I play through the entire level again? I actually closed the DS after that, and I didn't play again for a little bit. And that was a little frustrating. There were some bonus stages as well after I beat 1-4 and unlocked 2-1, but then also 1-5. And I think this one was just um, catching some food. There was nothing new or interesting in this level. It was basically just another level to play through. So you're like, oh cool, a bonus stage, but as far as I can tell, there's nothing terribly interesting. It's just another level to play through. There are a couple issues with controls. We'll go back to that. Goku has a thing he can do in Yoibo. There's two options. He can um, swing it around or kind of deflect things with it. I was having a lot of trouble getting him to do what I wanted him to do. There was this little statue that was firing this orb thing, and basically like using a mirror trying to reflect it back so what you do is you would tap Goku and then tap the thing or the direction that you want it to go back towards and I just kept getting hit by the thing Goku wouldn't actually do what I told him to do so I was having a lot of trouble getting that to work that could just be me. I may get used to the control a little bit as I you know, continue through the game, but right off the bat, I was having trouble doing that. Talk about the graphics. Mary, you saw commercials as they've been leading up to the game. It looks very cute. Yeah. It basically does everything that the DS is capable of. Kind of chibified characters. Not too much. I mean, everything's moderately to scale, but there may be a little exaggeration in the facial expressions, which is typical early Dragon Ball. It works really well in this game. Something that I love is the gap between the two screens is almost always in the place of someone's crotch, which leads up to, as you would expect, and we saw this in some of the early commercials, the perfect self-censoring, and that's when Bulma flashes Kamehsenin to get the Dragon Ball. You don't get a butt shot, it's in the gap of the DS, which is just hilarious and you know self-aware of what they're doing, so I'm glad uh, that kind of stuff is in there. The only last thing I want to play about it, like I said, I'm only on 2-1, I'm not very far into the game yet, is that the North American release of the game is missing Makafushiki and which is the opening theme to Dragon Ball. This is very upsetting, especially considering that Atari was advertising the game along with this song leading up to its release. So what the hell with removing, like, the title song to the game? I, I don't understand that. It's, that's what you identify with Dragon Ball, and to take it out with a... replace it with a generic song is 
kind of upsetting, but you move past it. Portable game, turn down the volume, whatever. Uh, in terms of voices, there are dub voices. There's not a whole lot of dialogue. There's some yells here and there, a couple lines that are spoken, but it's not fully spoken dialogue or anything like that. I think that's basically it. Uh, Mary, you said you're very interested in playing the game. I think I might pick it up after I finish a certain game on the DS I'm playing right now. Perfect, because you're on the last case on that. Well, I was going to immediately jump into the second game. Well, you can take a break with this. Advanced, I was going to say Advanced Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Ball DS or Dragon Ball Origins. It has three save slots, so you you can actually share it among family Great, and friends. Great, now I want to have guilt issues about no. the way I started up this game I'm playing right now. <laughs> I'm like, oh shoot, I'm overriding his work. That, that's fine. So you can use slot two or three or whatever to play your own game on this. So that's very good to see. That's it. That's all I have to say about these games. Uh, as we move forward through the weeks, I'll try to do some final thoughts on them. I know we failed to do that with Burst Limit. A lot of that had to do with the 360 dying shortly after it came out. And now we've already got new games past Burst Limit, so I think that one's going to fall by the wayside. But uh, I, I really hope to finish up Infinite World and Origins and let you know what we think about them. I say we, because hopefully Mary will play it. And I'm really hoping Julian's going to pick it up, Dragon Ball DS over there as well, because he's a big Zelda fan. Uh, he played through Phantom Hourglass. And Mary, you're the in-house resident uh, 64 and Zelda fan. Yes. Well, there we go. That's video game stuff. With all that out of the way, I am going to steal a segment. <gasps> that's right. I am taking your segment, Mary. Oh, that's that's fine. It's a new segment, so I mean, not a new segment. But one that we don't do as often as we should. That's right. So go for it. All right. It can be up for grabs. What we're going to do is uh, my top five, and because we have two new games that just came out, I figured this makes sense. Good time to talk about it. My top five Dragon Ball games of all time. I will maybe do a top five, but I don't feel particularly strongly about some games. Right. I don't know that you feel strongly enough about five to make a list. Yeah, I could come up with three that I like. Which is why I'm probably going to do it myself. Yeah. So Okay, go for it, go for All it. All right, uh, maybe some surprises on the list, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm very interested in hearing, Mary, what you have to say about my list and what the listeners have to say. So here we go. That's right, number five. Can you fucking believe it? I am picking an American-made game. At least it, it makes for a variety on this list. And Mary, you played this I one. I did. It was all right. It was all right? Yeah. Let me tell you what I liked about Legacy of Goku 2. I didn't play the first one. I heard it was absolute shit. I played this and I played Boo's Fury as well, which is essentially Legacy of Goku 3. Boo's Fury did a lot of things that took this game to kind of the next level. You had a lot of upgrade options for your characters and you know a little better graphics, blah, blah, blah. But Legacy of Goku 2, it's the part of the series that's just absolutely wonderful. The Cell arc, you get all the stuff leading up to it. The sprites were very well done. Everything's very animated. And what can I say? Fighting Triceratops in a forest. That's one thing that kind of irked me about the game was just the randomness of the villains you encounter. But I did like the graphics. Yeah, it was, it was like actually a very pretty game. And I just have very fond memories of playing it and being shocked that an American-made game could represent it so well. And again, while Boo's Fury did some stuff a little better, and especially had some wonderful self-aware that the dub is terrible dialogue, things mentioning Hiffle and poking fun at that, and throwing in the I am the instrument of your defeat line is kind of funny, which is not making fun of the dub, but just kind of like being involved with the fandom and knowing that kind of stuff. Legacy of Goku 2 just had some really interesting stuff, um, like unlocking Mr. Satan at the end of the game. So there you go. Number four, Mary, I think you have some memories of this one. Super Butoden 2 is such an evolution over the first game where you can know, actually control the characters properly and they added so many great things. And kind of like Legacy of Goku 2, where the game that came after it introduced better graphics and some slightly enhanced gameplay, Super Butoden 2 had more backgrounds, it had more interesting characters. Super Butoden 2, Goku wasn't an immediately selectable character. I love that about this game because finally, Go is the center of the game. And it's actually the first game where Bojack was 
was playable, and Broly was a hidden character as well. It was just a wonderful lineup. Zangia was in the game. Like, they were really paying attention to what was going on at the time, putting in some really cool characters. And the music in Super Butoden 2, Mary, Trunks' theme from this game, holy awesome. shit, Vegeta's theme, Piccolo's theme, Gohan's theme itself, amazing music in this game. Just a, a fantastic fucking game on Super Famicom. Number three on my list, Idai Nodu Dragon Bolu Densets, although I simply refer to as Legends, came out on the PS1 and the Saturn. I own both, but I think I prefer the PS1 version. Uh, I know the Saturn version had some stuff going for it. They had little things here and there, like the PlayStation 1 version had better 3D backgrounds and rotation and stuff. Saturn had some better sprite effects. But I'm going to go with the PS1 version. Uh, it had some different special moves that I think they each had. Uh, a couple different characters had different ultimates in each game. But like I said, PS1 version, the opening theme to this game, not as good as Ultimate Battle 22, not not as good as Final Bout. This is the one where Paranga is being summoned and it's just yeah, kind of like still frames like really of a creep, characters. Not creepy, just a budget CG. Yeah. Not a wonderful song, but the music in Legends is great. And the ending theme, Never Ending, Never Give Up, another wonderful Hironobu Kageyama song. Ending. Never Give up. up. I hate how the only comments I can make about these old games the is that I didn't really play them or either the openings of the songs. Oh, yeah. that's fine. Legends had some great stuff. It had the story mode where if you did everything perfectly, you know, you get your percentage. If you follow the storyline exactly what happened in the show, like you put in a character, but that character didn't actually fight. So you have to take him out and put another two back in. Something that was really neat about Legends was that if you pause the game, not really paused it, but brought up your character selection menu, the computer would take over for you and do the fight and you would select what's going on but then there would be some other characters up there like Kami and Mr. Popo they would actually talk about what was going on in the fight and like comment on things that are happening like that's so cool like they haven't done anything like that ever since it was just a really neat thing for the time and there were so many characters and you could go through all these what if mission modes and you could have two on two there would be like six characters out on the field sometimes I think I don't actually remember what the full number was uh, in single player mode and you'd just be flying up the screen you could basically beat the game by just doing those medio attacks I would just hold up and right and press the attack button over and over that would ultimately hit like 15 hits on the meteor attacks, but whatever. It was basically Sparking back on the PS1. When Sparking came out, we're like, oh, this is the spiritual successor to the Legend series. This is where it came from. This is uh, the tug of war life bar was something really different for the time. We didn't have just a standard life bar. Fights could theoretically go on forever if, you know, no one really got the upper hand on it. So Legends is kind of like fanboy legend in and of itself in Dragon Ball fandom, so I love it to death. I know a lot of people do, too. That's why it's number three. Number two on my list, people would probably expect this to be number one, but maybe I'm a little swayed at the moment. I don't know. We'll talk about that. Number two is Super Dragon Ball Z for the PlayStation 2. We are in the minority of liking this game. I know. I know a lot of people... It has to do with our history and where we came from. It does, from. because we played Street Fighter games. We played SNK games. We know how to do fireball motions. We know how to do cross-ups and juggles and that kind of stuff. Very different. People don't even know what that is if you know they've only played a Budokai game or a Sparking game. Play on a 2D field, a, you know, sidestep around, so it's quasi-3D. But the game was produced by Funimizu along with his studio Craft and Meister, who actually worked on mm, a little game maybe called Street Fighter 2, so there's obviously those influences there. Such a great fighting system. Uh, Chi Chi's a playable character. Frieza with a gun. Uh, Toriyama designed for him there. So much great stuff in this game. Customize your character and learn other characters' special attacks, and it's like manga style. We did an episode, our review of Super DBZ, with tons of images, so go check that out as well. Just a wonderful game and I'm so sad that we never saw a sequel to Super DBZ. I'm still holding out hope eventually down the road we'll see something. But there we go, number two. Love Super Dragon Ball Z. But you love something more than that. I may. I'm not sure. Um, 
This is a very indecisive list. It is. My number one is going to be Budokai 3. Let me tell you why. Budokai 3 took what was done with 1 and 2 and really, really nailed it. They introduced the baseline key, which made transformations make sense finally, where you can actually hold the transformation for a while. Uh, the graphics, I think Budokai 3 and what Dims did, they nailed what Dragon Ball should look like, at least on the PS2. I agree. Yeah. The character models are not overly shiny. They're not too subdued. It's just the perfect coloring. Just, it looks gorgeous. I love how it looks. The special effects with the ultimate attacks, like blowing up off the side of the earth. Things were just so well and finely tuned in this game. And I think it really shows because they've gone on to do things like the Shin Budokai series. Burst Limit is basically an evolution of this. Infinite World again. Um, we've had the Bakuretsu Impact Kardasa games over there in Japan that basically use the Budokai engine uh, for the background stuff. I've played through Budokai 3 in its entirety twice. Like entire story mode, unlocking everything in the game without cheating. I've done it twice because it came out in North America first. And then it came out in Japan with some bonus stuff. I picked up, finally, a Japanese PS2 for Budokai 3 and redid everything over there on the Japanese side. So I have very, very fond memories of playing through the game twice and getting everything. And then dabbling with Shin Budokai, dabbling with Burst Limit, now Infinite World. It reminds me of just how much Dimps really nailed Dragon Ball Z for the PS2 generation. A little bit on GameCube there as well with the first two games. Um, and Sparking just isn't my thing you'll notice it didn't show up on the list at all it's a good game i just don't love it that much and i think tim's is really the company to nail it here so there you go budokai 3 is my number one i do want to leave two runner-ups here um the first one is advanced adventure on the game boy advance a lot of people are like oh my god i can't believe you left that off i never finished the game but i do recognize how absolutely wonderful it is again a dimps game Believe it or not, Dimps developed this on the GBA. So it's just showing you how much Dimps just absolutely loves the property and does some wonderful things with it. My other runner-up, and this would have been in my top five, but I couldn't really give it a slot there because it's not just a Dragon Ball game. And that's Jump Ultimate Stars on the Nintendo DS. There's a lot of Dragon Ball characters in there, but, you know, it's also One Piece and Naruto and Saint Seiya and all the Jump series. But uh, it's a wonderful game. It's almost a perfect game. Just a couple of little issues with that game. You can go back and listen to our review of that. But like I said, not a Dragon Ball specific game, so I couldn't put it on the list as much as I really wanted to. But pick any game on my top five of those runner-ups, and you're going to have a wonderful time with them. So there you go. That is my top five of the best Dragon Ball games of all time. Mary, yes. my voice is given out a little bit. We got a couple last things to do. We got some releases, we got some emails, and we'll close it up. So let's do those releases. Okay. It's basically the end of November, so we'll do these last couple of November things, 19th, and then, then and then we'll maybe do the first week of December. So, Mary, tell me what's up on the 19th. All right, Wednesday, November 19th, Dragon Ball GT Volume 7 is coming out in Spain. It's a Region 2 PAL disc. It's a two-disc set, and it's episodes 49 through 56. goes for 24.95 euros. You can learn more at ZonaDVD.com. Also coming out that day is Dragon Ball Z Volume 27 DVD. Uh, it's a Spanish Region 2 PAL release. Another two-disc set covers episodes 216 to 223, also 24.95 euros. And also find more info at ZonaDVD.com. That's right. We'll take it into December here, December 2nd. This big Dragon Ball Z Volume 3. This covers Tankobon or Graphic Novel Volumes 23 through 25. Let's see. Going by the VIS numbers, that'd be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And that's uh, $17.99. Amazon has it for pre-order price of $12.23. And then on December 4th, over in Japan, we talked about it earlier, Dragon Ball Z Infinite World. They're finally getting it from Namco Bandai and Dimps, Japanese PlayStation 2, PlayAsia $59.90. So remember, we're getting a very good deal on that game over here in the U.S. Something I didn't mention, American Release does indeed have the Japanese voices. So absolutely feel free to pick up the American Release. We don't know if the Japanese Japanese release is going to have any extras though so that may be a deal breaker for some people uh, who knows um, if Nekomajin Z is in there that, that's like a required purchase for me down the road but whatever that is releases Mary let's do a couple emails <laughs> Mary, I'm going to take the emails out of order. Okay. First one here is from Own A. Why don't you read it for me? 
Alright, hi guys, long time no write-in. I've been catching up on the podcast and just listened to your 100th episode clip show. I'm over a year behind. Good times, hope you make it to the big two zero zero. As for the topic, I'm a fan of the Boo arc, but whenever I see people talk about it, many of them say that it sucks, even here on Dai's Entry X. Oh my god, did I say that this episode? I think I did, when we were talking about the activity book. I don't I think remember. I, I think I was thinking it, but I, I don't know if I said it. Now this seems weird to me, not only because I'm a fan of the Boo arc, but because I don't see nearly as much of the bashing as, say, uh, the Piccolo, say, in Frieza and Cell arcs. From the way people talk about it, it would seem like the Boo arc is the only one with flaws and the rest are perfect. I've always thought that the Boo arc adds just as much to the series as the others. So why is there so much hate for the Boo arc compared to the other arcs? I think this is an American idea and American viewpoint on it. And I'm already going to disagree with you. I hated it before it came out here. Really? Yeah. Okay. Even well, watching it in fan subs, I didn't like it nearly well, as much as everything else. Let me tell you why I would okay. I would think that. Uh, it's another reason why I think the original Dragon Ball had such a problem coming out here with its slapstick and funny stuff is that people are like, oh my god, Dragon Ball is such a hardcore show and oh, there's so much cool action and, and, and they're beating each other up and Freeze's like so evil and then Cell's like really hardcore. Then you get to the Boo arc and it's a big fat pink dude and there's lots of laughing again and slapstick comedy and flying around the world and Gohan's in high school and I think uh, fans of you know, a certain age at that time would just be like, really? What happened to all the serious action? Oh yeah, Majin Vegeta! And then it gets funny again, then serious. That's just what I would think in theory, but I can understand your viewpoint where you would see the Phantoms back in the day and not like the Boo Saga. So what was it about the Boo Saga the that you don't like? The disproportionate length of that arc compared to everything else. Okay. And I did like the comedy in it, but sometimes the comedy didn't quite agree with me and I felt like it was starting to get too hard to swallow with all the fusions and all the absorptions and it just seemed like he was just doing the same thing over and over and over again and watching that arc more than any other oh actually i shouldn't say that the frieza arc the second half of the frieza arc and much of the boo arc post i'm not gonna say post or pre whenever because i always get the order of events in the boo saga wrong regardless i felt like watching it was kind of a chore really i can understand that i i do agree that it went on for a very long time there's a lot of weak sections too like the anio which part blows well that's just a little in between thing you can ignore that so i don't like the section between the end of the tournament and the beginning of the majin boo stuff i don't like the stuff with bobby and his Uh i don't even think i've seen those in all honesty like all the way through because I just got so the Dabber Gohan fight and Yakan yeah. and Pui Pui and stuff I don't like Gohan training with his sword and cool outfit I don't like that stuff it, it does go on for a very long time I do agree and that is a detriment to this part of the series I almost always enjoyed the Gotenks stuff because it was funny and I think that was the only fan subs on the Boo arc I would watch over and over again the Gotenks stuff yeah okay in the tournament. Well, that's what I think. And I can see where you're coming from on that. So I'm going to turn it over to the response thread. For every episode, we have a thread over in the forum. People let us know what they thought and additional thoughts and stuff. So tell us, what is it about the Boo arc? Do you like it, dislike it compared to the other parts of the series? And why do you think there may be a general, I wouldn't say dislike, but liking it less than other parts of the series? So let us know what you think. Mary, we're going to do one more email here. This one comes to us from Steve. Hey, guys and gal. I was just wondering, have you seen Goku versus Vegeta conversations on a phenomenon. It was the voice actors talking about the show and such and them doing the voices as well. I've never heard of this before and definitely believe it has not been released in Australia, but apparently it was released as Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Uncut Special Edition DVD Volume 1 at Best Buy. Yes, it's indeed an extra on this disc. Yes, when the Ultimate Uncut Edition was coming out, and that was back in 2005, this particular volume came out in April 2005, you know, before they canceled it and decided to do these season sets. This was an extra on that first disc, kind of really promote what was going on with uh, the re-release of the series and Uncut and stuff. We watched it back then, and we actually just watched it again right before we started recording this podcast episode. Mary, right before we started watching it, you remembered having almost upset feelings and frustration watching it back yes, then. Yes, and I don't understand why now. It was Maybe I mellowed out. I don't know. I felt a little better. There are still some things that kind of pissed me off, and it actually wasn't due to the voice actors. <laughs> the fans. Yeah. 
All right. So again, like Steve said, it's it's basically these conversations, although you don't see the interviewer, mostly Sean Schemmel and Chris Sabat from Funimation. There's also some guy from Anime Insider, I think, and ICV2 person or whatever, uh, talking about Goku and Vegeta for the majority of it, but also the rise in popularity and why it's special to people. So Mary, tell me, where, wherever you want to take this, where do you want to go with this? Um... Um, it's very odd for me as a non-dub fan to kind of watch this and place any importance into it. It's very interesting and fascinating, but I don't watch these interviews and think, wow, that's Goku, and that's Vegeta, that, I agree. that's them. And right. those aren't them to me. They're just guys that happen to do the voices in English, so I don't admire them in any way. But it is very neat hearing their perspective and hearing how much playing the roles affected their lives. So I agree, because while I don't really care about their performances, I do acknowledge that they have a very big impact on a large population of fans of the series and it means a lot to those actors and those fans and it is fascinating to, to hear what they have to say about the characters because they do have an insight that none of us will ever have whether or not we agree with their performances we can't understand that perspective I mean, we can listen to them try and describe it but it is totally enthralling to, to hear what they have to say about those characters let's take it over to the fans because <laughs> something we've talked about time and time again and that's the fans Fans and how I don't know how do you say it without like just insulting everyone? I'll insult everyone. I don't care. All right, go for it. <laughs> I won't say a lot or half, just a tiny bit of the people in this uh, interview represent why people hate DBZ fandom so much. Why is that? What, what did um, they say? What did they do? Very fanatic, fanatical love for the series, and isn't that what we have? Well, yeah, but we are more articulate and professional about it. That, that's open to debate. Okay, fine, fine. Yeah, because I can't even get words out, so I kind of retract my statement. Uh, Just, I don't know, awkward? You you were saying that a lot of it was liking the series for superficial reasons. And now that I, after I had said that, I was like, you know what? Maybe that's okay, though. Everyone can like it for their own reasons. Right. And then right after you said that, some of the fans started bringing up things like the drama and the relationships. So they were mentioning some of the cool stuff in the series. I think the one thing that threw me off was the little kid who said Goku's nickname was like Savior of the Universe or something like that. I'm like, <laughs> what are you on, little kid? I did have a couple of quick notes. And um, there was one that John Schemmel said, uh, Goku is never selfish. And I don't agree with that. That may be a dub thing, but I, I did get some... Oh man, don't even get me started on how Goku's selfish. <laughs> no, I want to get you started on this. I ha- I know you have a relationship thing. I have a very selfish, stubborn thing, and that's the entire Cell arc, and that's Goku giving up in the Cell game just to prove, look at my son, look at what he's capable of. He can do this. Oh, I fucked up. I was so selfish. I was so not even paying attention. I'm not being a good dad. Does that pull it over to you, what you have to say about Goku being selfish? Just, in the end, leaving his family to go train some kid to be that selfish. I know you have a big problem with that. That's, like, actually the reason I probably don't love Goku as much as I should, is the selfishness. I think Goku does a lot of selfless things, but I think he's a very selfish person. And that may be his naivete playing into it, but I I can't ignore it at the same time. Most of the stuff he does is for his own self-gratification like letting Vegeta live that could have come and bitten him on the ass again uh, just so many examples over the course of the series I think he did for himself and not really taking into consideration anyone else around him so I don't necessarily agree with that the other thing I did want to mention is that both Sean and Chris made it a point to give credit to the original Ocean cast noting that they were there first that they did a good job on the series and that they came second and the reason I want to make a point of knowing this is we talked about this previously there's a uh, a podcast out there voice print with trevor duvall we noted that terry clayson was very very demeaning towards the cast that came after him especially towards sunny Strait. and i think that says a lot about the funimation cast you know we talk about how we don't like the dub we don't care for these dub performers we acknowledge when they are good people at heart and when they say good things and i think this is very important to note that they are grateful that they've been able to get to this point in their lives and their careers and they owe it to Dragon Ball and they owe it to this opportunity to taking over the series. So again, don't love the dub, but we'll acknowledge when they say good things. And, and they're kind of funny in the interview too. <laughs> they have decent senses of humor. I agree. You know, I've had problems in the past. I think one of the things I really disliked was that 
extra commentary track on the Dead Zone re-release. It was just like moronic talk for the duration. I have a tough time listening to other people talk about Dragon Ball when I can't interject and be a know-it-all jackass in the process. So I thought I was going to have that problem watching this little featurette. But I found myself actually halfway enjoying watching it and not feeling like I needed to butt in and correct them all the time. Because it was just a general conversation. And I, I had a halfway decent time watching it. I did too. More so than I thought I would. I was really expecting to leave it uh, the second time around being really, really angry, but I wasn't. Well, there you go. That That's our answer to the question. So, Mary, if people have any questions, comments, concerns, hopes, dreams, aspirations, lovely letters, l- creepy love letters, <laughs> you send them on over to podcast at diezx.com. You spell that P-O-D-C-A-S-T at D-A-I-Z-E-X.com. That's right. Well, there you go. That was uh, a Julian-less episode, unfortunately, this week. But hey, I'm still kind of sick, and I got to sleep last night, and I have no regrets about what happened. So, Mary. Mike. Wonderful having you. It's great to be had. We will see you next week. We'll hear from you next week. Yes, you will. I am planning next week on doing a manga review of Awesomeness because we're all off schedule. Okay, are we doing it in the middle of the month now? Because, you know, we had the wedding, we had the honeymoon. Well, why don't we just wait till December? I'm going to wean us back on to that. And I really want to read the next volume. I'm I'm Goku. I'm very selfish. I want to read the next volume. I want to see what happens next. I got to know what happens next. I've never seen or read it before. So there you go. We'll see you next week. If we're doing manga, hopefully we'll have Jeff next week. Hopefully we'll have Julian. Julian and myself can be found at DaiZenChubyX. That is www.daizex.com. So that's it. We'll see you next week for a manga review of Awesomeness. In the meantime, if you're looking for cool stuff, uh, I'm hoping to also record VG Convos Episode 5 next week. That'll be awesome. Uh, head on over to VGDOEX.com. You can find links to all these things. You know, you get the VG Convos, you get the blog, you get Twitter. You can go along with that guy out in the car because he clearly wants our attention. So I guess he wants I'll, to be on the show. He wants to be on the show. He's very upset that he's not on Dragon Ball Podcast. So let's end it. Mary. Yeah. For you. For moi. For Julian off in Japan. Yeah, that guy too. And that guy too. My name is Mike. Vichito EX and Daisen Chuiexu Podcast Konjumo Kiite Kudasate Arigato Gozaimasu. Jigamo Otanishimi. 